What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Bai, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day right here with me on the podcast. Reacting to, well, a couple things. Uh, on the basketball court, a 107-104 uh, defeat in Houston to the Rockets, who are playing good basketball. We talked about this last week. Um, going in there was going to be uh, potentially problematic. It was. And then big picture reacting to uh, the contract extension to Michael Malone, which I think is the uh, bigger deal. Um, the loss against the Rockets will be... Uh, shuffled along uh, with the rest of the season. It'll be a footnote. Um, some will remember, some won't. There are a couple things to remember, um, mainly, mainly, you know, historical, another benchmark for Nikola Jokic. We'll get into that in a second. But um, they lose on the court. Uh, Michael Malone wins off of the court, uh, signs his extension, adding on two more years to uh, the deal that was already in place. You know, I have several thoughts uh, about uh, Michael Malone and his fit in Denver, Colorado with these Nuggets. He was the perfect coach to bring them out of uh, the depths that the organization was in on the floor. You know, you think back to um, maybe 2013, 14, uh, you know, somewhere in there, and, and just how rough of a shape that this franchise was in. But there's two different type of coaches. Actually, there's there's maybe maybe three different type of coaches, Okay. There's the, the, the one kind is the type that can uh, take a losing program, a losing organization, a losing culture, and try to get it from point A to point B. Try to get it out of the depths um, and create a, a culture of winning, winning habits, uh, winning connectivity, winning goals, um, and all of that. And, and eventually, if you uh, foster that, then it can lead to wins on the floor. And Getting an organization out of the depths is the first step, right? And Michael Malone was the perfect coach to do that. But oftentimes we've seen not just in, in, in basketball, but but certainly in basketball, but in pro sports just in general, that uh, a a coach that can do the first part, getting out of the depths and get you from A to B, get you, get you out of the depths to respectability and, and maybe even surpassing respectability to the level of um, being a contender, right? Uh, we, we see sometimes in sports that that coach that did that uh, doesn't have the ability to actually transition from contender to uh, a championship coach, all right? And an example here uh, in Denver um, – is uh, with the Broncos that, you know, uh, John Fox with the Broncos was the perfect coach to uh, get them where they needed to be on the largest stage, but then they just couldn't break through. And in, in 2000 and uh, whatever it was, 15, I think 14 uh, uh, with Gary Kubiak. And he, he's the one to get them across the finish line. Um, we saw this with uh, Phil Jackson um, inheriting a, a, a Lakers team with Shaq and Kobe that, you know, couldn't win. And, and, and they had coaches like, you know, Del Harris or whatever. They're super talented in the playoffs, just couldn't transition to uh, winning. And I guess you could make that same argument in, in Chicago with a similar arc um, with uh, young, a young uh, Jordan and, and, and um, you know, the coaches that had preceded you know, Doug Collins, that had preceded Phil Jackson. Anyway, there's another type of coach that maybe doesn't have the chops for the rebuild, 
right? So like, I don't know if, and I'll use an extreme example like Phil Jackson. Um, I don't know if Phil Jackson is the right coach for that first step of the journey, right? And I'm not talking about present day Phil. I'm talking about big picture, you know, NBA history. Like, is Phil Jackson the type that could, you know, take over a program um, that has a baseline of zero and build it up to uh, a championship contender? I don't know about that. It certainly didn't work that way um, uh, in New York. But what I'm trying to say is the, the, the type of coach that can do both, Right, and there was questions about that with Michael Malone here in Denver. That okay, you know, he he had got them to a place where they're a legitimate contender. Was he the guy that could push them across the finish line? And this organization showed patience with Mike Malone during the uh, that two year window when Jamal Murray wasn't available, and showed patience and stuck with it and sort of you know quote unquote trusted the process of Michael Malone. And then he crosses the finish line. I, I just you know. The ability to check both of those boxes is so massively important, and I think that uh, Michael Malone has been the perfect coach for these this Denver Nuggets team. I think he's going to continue to be the perfect coach for this Nuggets team, and he deserved the extension. I'm glad that he got it. And you know, if you think about Michael Malone, who he is, like at the in the NBA of all leagues where it's so player driven, where the players have more power than the coaches. Michael Malone has walked the perfect razor's edge of holding his guys accountable, but also being a player's coach. And that's a really, really thin line of being able to go in a press conference and blast his team, um, um, maybe unlike any other coach in the NBA. But then, but then you hear about him, you know, going to put like literally putting his arm around a guy. Uh, he has he has like done stuff like that like for, you know quote unquote forget to put Aaron Gordon back into a game in the fourth quarter quote unquote forget to put Michael Porter Jr. back in a game in the fourth quarter and you're essentially benching the guy right and in the NBA man sometimes that can become a powder keg with hundred million dollar uh, a pro athletes. So I just think that I, I don't have enough good things to say about Michael Malone. Um, he is unapologetically, authentically himself. Um, and he has, uh, and will go down for me, is the greatest coach in the history of the Denver Nuggets. And I don't even think it's particularly close. That is all due respect to uh, one of the giants of the game and, and a guy I'm lucky enough to call a personal friend, George Carl. Right, that is all due respect to uh, the legendary Doug Mo. Um, it, it, and so this guy has separated himself because the Denver stinking Nuggets are the world champions, and the fact that those two things are in the same sentence, and he was here for the every single step of the organic rebuild. I, you, you know, you just give him his flowers. All right, does that mean Michael Mullen's gonna be the coach in six years? I, it's the NBA. I don't know, um, but that's not really the point. This story that he has helped write in uh, Denver is so unique and legendary. And I'll flip it. You know, he helped write. You can't help. You, you cannot write the story of the Denver Nuggets without Michael Malone. And that's where we're at. That's the success that they've achieved that was unprecedented until last season. So all the credit in the world. I just wanted to say that about Michael Malone. Um, I absolutely uh, love the uh, extension and so richly deserved. And he is rich now. Um, you, you, you can be sure of that. Um, all right. Oh, you know, I wanted to mention this too. And we talk about this so much in football, but it, it rings so true in basketball as well. The Nuggets have something uh, 
I hope, special, budding. And that is um, the hierarchy within the organization. You know, they had this with Tim Connolly, uh, the, the structure of Josh Kroenke, Tim Connolly, and, and um, Michael Malone. And now we're seeing it with Calvin Booth. You know, I, I do hear whispers here and there that sometimes those guys are, aren't always on the same page. Like, it's pro sports. It's different personalities. It's different outlooks, right? Is Michael Malone in love with the fact that he has a bench full of young guys and not NBA veterans? I, I would probably guess that's not something that he's thrilled about, right? And, and I think he understands the bigger picture. Um, and what, you know, Calvin Booth talked about, you know, trying to win maybe two of the next four, or what, you know, all that combination, three of the next five or whatever. And this is in an effort to do that. But um, I do think it is so vital uh, organizationally to have ownership, uh, a general manager or team president and coach. And they have that synced up. And, you know, you can get caught and disjointed when you, when you change too quickly, you know, and then you're, uh, it's a general manager inheriting a head coach or a, a, a head coach who, um, you know, um, isn't synced up, you know, with his GM. And maybe, or maybe the owner said you have to hire this coach. And I think that the Nuggets have real, um, a real organizational hierarchy that lends itself to consistency, and when you're as good as the Denver Nuggets are, consistency is what we're looking for, right? Um, I just uh, had that in my notes, and before we moved on, I wanted to mention that. Okay, a um, little bit more um, from going back to what happened on the basketball court this past weekend. Guys, I mentioned to you last week um, that this game in Houston made me nervous. Uh, uh, Houston is a NBA town for young guys, all right? Uh, they go out in Houston. There's a ton of strip clubs in Houston. It's legendary for that. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, heard uh, Mike Evans, our morning show host, uh, one half of Schlereth and Evans uh, on the fan say, you know, Doug Moe, he gets a second reference today, used to say, don't bet on us when we go to Los Angeles or Houston. And I'll throw Atlanta in there too. Um, they're just, they're fun NBA towns. I'm sure th some of those guys, um, some, not all, but I would assume some of those guys, because the game was on a Sunday, right? They're in town on a Saturday. I'm sure some of those guys were out to, I don't know, two, three, four in the morning. I'm not there, just guessing. But I remember the old wisdom Earl Boykins telling me, like, don't, that's trouble. That's trouble. So, um, and then in addition to that, the Rockets were just playing good basketball. They were coming off a game where they kicked the head into the Los Angeles Lakers. They had won the previous three before that. So I know they started 0-3, um, if you look back to the uh, infancy of the season, and now they've strung together five consecutive wins, excuse me, six consecutive wins um, over good basketball teams, you know, playoff teams from a year ago, like the Lakers, like the Kings twice, um, like a, a good Pelicans team. Like we saw them, there's something there's something there, and, that, and now a win uh, over the Nuggets. So... Um, the uh, uh, Rockets' long uh, layoff, by the way. They don't play until the 17th. It's the 14th today on Tuesday, and they hadn't played since Sunday. So that's that's interesting. That's got to be the longest break of the NBA season. Um, but uh, there's things to like about Houston, all right? And, you know, I, I, I uh, used some time on my radio show, forgot to get to it. I don't think I got to it here on the podcast, and sometimes I can get, in, get, get them confused. But I love the Shangun kid. I love uh, Alperin Shangun. I think there's really something there. Um, he's just a kid, uh, but he's gotten stronger. You can see that. He's averaging 19 points a game, eight rebounds. He's averaging uh, six assists a game. Um, that is really, really, really impressive. He is a kid, but we saw him. He, he's like transition. Maybe he's not a man, but we've we've saw him uh, transition to um, boy, 
where he was for like the first two years, now into like a full blown kid, and his next step is to be a grown grown ass man. And I'm like almost like, yo, what is this gonna look like when this kid is 23? And not 21 if he continues this arc. But enough about the Rockets. Um, although they're an intriguing like league pass team to me. Shout out Uncle Jeff Green, who's a huge, you know, big, legitimate part of the uh, Nuggets uh, uh, championship run a year ago. He came off the bench and scored 15 points in 26 minutes. So that was kind of fun to see. Um, I'll always root for the guys that were on that championship team uh, a year ago, um, regardless of where they go. Uh, and Jeff Green's, I'm sure, is on his you know, last legs as an NBA player. Um, so it, that was kind of cool to see against his former teammate. Um, 36 points, 21 rebounds, 11 assists for Nikola Jokic. It's legendary. The only other players in NBA history to achieve those type of numbers are, you know, uh, Oscar Robertson, Wilt Chamberlain, and um, Elgin Baylor. So unique company. Um, you know, Jokic continues to be incredible. Um, in related news, sky is also blue. Water continues to be wet. Um, but it wasn't enough. All right. And on a night where KCP, you know, uh, largely offensively was uh, uh, MIA. Porter, while didn't play a perfect game, uh, 25 points and 10 rebounds, like he is maintaining that here um, over the course of a couple weeks. So you absolutely love to see that. Um, But really, you know, the bigger story of of this basketball game was just how poorly the bench played. That's really, you know, why this team lost, in my opinion, uh, on Sunday evening. Um, Guys are just out there and we're having this conversation a little bit too often here. Um, where Zeke Naji is just kind of out there. Uh, Peyton Watson, just kind of out there, you know, seven minutes, zero points. Uh, Colin Gillespie, you know, he was lauded after the game by Michael Malone. Um, you know, I don't want to get carried away with the Colin Gillespie um, love. I have a soft spot in my heart for, for him. I followed him his entire college career. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, he played well. And the fact that, like, he might have been the the, no, not he might have been. He was the bright spot uh, for the Nuggets. Is problematic, um, for sure. It is. It's problematic. Um, Christian Brown uh, doesn't look like a confident basketball player right now. Uh, in 14 minutes, zero points. He was a minus 11. Um, he has uh, come back down to earth a little bit. You know, considering how well he was playing in the playoffs and where we thought this could go in season number two, and it still could. Uh, but he has struggled here as of late. Um, so let's just keep our eye on it. You know, Julian Strother, again, coming back down to earth um, pretty rapidly after, you know, that big game against New Orleans where he had the career-high 21 points. And um, I came in here and said, hey, I want to manage these expectations. Let's be excited in the moment. But at the same time, let's not get carried away. He's going to have nights where he may not play at all. He's going to have nights where he comes in and has zero points because he's on a really short leash with Michael Malone. And we're seeing that. Just eight points, uh, or excuse me, eight minutes, zero points. Um, That group has to get back to basics. And that is playing balls to the wall defense and trying to get out in transition. Because when they're asked to operate in the half court, it's pretty ugly. Like, it, seriously, it's, it's pretty ugly. There's not enough um, uh, NBA-level shooting out there. And when Strother's not out there, it's it can be a rough scene. You know, even from a spacing standpoint, it can be it can be a rough scene. Um, there, there's very little creation um, uh, in the half court, you know, with guys off of the bounce, you know, trying to create from the perimeter. It, it's just a, it's not a, it's not a good looking uh, uh, a group right now. Um, 
So, yeah, so let's just keep our eye on it. Again, I don't want to get carried away when it's really good. I don't want to get carried away when it's really, really bad. Let's just continue to watch that, watch that unit, because they have a long way to go. Um, next on the docket is uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, which comes with all the history. It comes with all the personalities. Um, I don't know if I – I don't dislike a lot of NBA teams. I really don't. Um, I'm a huge fan of this league, and almost on every team I uh, like certain players. Um, on this team, I like Kawhi. Kawhi's going to do a backflip into the Hall of Fame. Um, but – uh, and I like Paul George for that matter. I do. Um, but the Russell Westbrook-James Harden combo for me. And then you throw Bones Highland on there. A uh, lot of personality. By the way, Bones not really playing. Um, uh, and I just want to uh, g- get to him in just a second. But um, this is a team that I think it has been thrown together. Uh, they probably have four Hall of Famers, right? No, not probably. They will have four Hall of Famers. Um, but I've said this for years. Put your hands in and say, let's go be great is not a formula. Um, when you compare how the Nuggets were built and the Clippers have been built, um, and now you add in James Harden, one of the most divisive personalities on and off the court, I just think they're headed to um, absolutely nowhere. I don't know how Tuesday night's going to go specifically on TNT at 8 o'clock in, in, uh, the, um, uh, for the in-season tournament. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game if I had to guess. And I would, if I had to bet on it, I'd pick Nuggets real small, like uh, winning you know, 114 to 111, something like that. Um, but uh, to, 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 to circle back to um, Bones Highland, and, and just to put a bow on the Clippers thing, not worry about the Clippers at all, especially if Jamal comes back healthy. They are not on my radar um, in terms of a team that can legitimately beat the Nuggets four times over a two-week period. But Bones Highland, man, be be careful what you wish for. This guy was in such a good situation in Denver and became such a malcontent, so disappointing. And now you look and, you know, he's had games where, you know, he's played um, six minutes. And uh, I don't even think that he played – in their last game. Let me double check here real quick. Um, yeah, I don't think, yeah, he, he, he didn't play bones. You know what? Um, I hope he learns. I hope he needs to grow up a little bit. And and I, I hope he's doing that in Los Angeles. Um, whether it is or isn't, it's out of the Nuggets' hands, out of my hands. Uh, but he's got maturing to do. And I can tell you, if I'm like his coach and I see him answer that question, like, I have no idea what's going on with the in-season tournament. Like, dude, like, you're too aloof and you're a, a, too much of a fringe player to not be engaged. I was disappointed in that. Um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Guys, uh, thank you for being here. If you're um, uh, listening on Spotify or whatever platform, please like it, subscribe it. If you think we deserve five stars, please. Um, we would love that. And then also um, the best way to grow this podcast is uh, organically word of mouth. You know, a Nuggets fan who doesn't, you know, listen, um, just pass it along. That's uh, that's all I can ask you to do. We've grown tremendously over the years, but we don't want to stop. So uh, you can help out in that uh, department for sure. All right. Uh, we'll leave it here. And whatever happens on Tuesday night on TNT against the Clippers, you already know we're going to turn around and talk about it on Thursday right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.